0: For you to lead us out of Babylon. For I was just a boy when I came here. When 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill my gracious promise and bring you back to this land. Who are you, old man? I am Daniel. I seek to tell you a story tale of four kings, one great, one foolish, one who was deceived, and one who is destined to be regarded as wise for all the ages of the world to come. Marxism is totalitarianism. If we were to depict Nehemiah's system of control in today's culture, it would be Marxism. Fascist dictator Benito Mussolini said it best. Everything within the state, nothing outside the state, nothing against the state. Nebuchadnezzar functioned in like-minded philosophy. Everything within Babylon, nothing outside of Babylon will overpower the Babylonians. With this demented philosophy, Nebuchadnezzar gained the attention of God. Just as Marxism is divisive, deadly, and filled with mind control, so was the system of Babylon. Since Nebuchadnezzar did not believe in the Hebrew God, God decided to impend upon his dreams. In our culture today, we see the primary pillars of Marxism. Divide the people, use deadly force if necessary, cancel culture, destroy meaningful monuments, decimate families, redistribute wealth, defund police, and a host of other degenerate modalities. Nebuchadnezzar demonstrated these destructive forces during the time of Daniel. He divided the Hebrew people, used deadly force, canceled their Hebrew culture, remove and divide Hebrew warriors, decimate Hebrew families, redistribute the wealth of the Hebrew people too. Empower Babylon further, all to force God's people to bow to the king of Babylon. It almost sounds satanic. Well, it is. Nebuchadnezzar's system matched Satan's method of control through the ages. Today we're on number five, which is Visions and Dreams. We will begin to explore the primary theme of Daniel. God gave this young man the ability to hear a dream, immediately know not only what the dream meant, but integrate the Lord's prophecies. Starting in this episode, we will review the times of the Gentiles and how this age began under Judah's captivity under Nebuchadnezzar which was 600 years before the birth of Jesus. And will end with the second coming of Jesus Christ at the beginning of the thousand-year reign of Christ on the very hill Nebuchadnezzar captured the Hebrew young men. This story reveals the beginning and the end of all prophecies. Let's take a look at our table of contents for today. Number one, faithful to God. God needed Daniel's faithfulness. We could not read and study the life of Daniel if he would not have been faithful to his God. Number two, the destructive Gentiles. Non-Hebrew people tend to hate Jews. That's a fact. Number three, forgotten dreams. Nebuchadnezzar's nightmares begin. One of the most significant dreams that Nebuchadnezzar had took place at the beginning of Daniel's captivity. We will explore the details of that dream. And finally, number four, failure of the magicians. A comparison of divine wisdom versus demonic. Back then, the first thing kings did when they had bizarre dreams or they were anxious about the future, they would call upon their sorcerers, their magicians, their astrologers, their philosophers. Well, Nebuchadnezzar did exactly that. But it didn't turn out like those demonic, supposedly wise men We're hoping it would turn out. Our overview for today is, our passage begins to deal with the period of history known throughout the scriptures as the times of the Gentiles. If you're not a pure bloodline Jew, or have not been grafted in as a born-again believer, you are a Gentile. The times of Gentiles began when Nebuchadnezzar captured Judah six hundred years before the birth of Jesus. And as we said before, this particular dream that God unfolded before Nebuchadnezzar covered a huge time span all the way to the second coming of Jesus. And guess where this reign will take place with Jesus None other than from the throne in the city of Jerusalem. In this single fact, we could see the relentless attempts of Gentiles warring to take the hill of Jerusalem throughout all the ages. Let's review our scripture for today. We encourage you in your own time to study Daniel chapter 2, verses 1 through 49. But today we're going to focus on verses 1 through 3, and it says this. Now in the second year of the reign of Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar had dreams, and his spirit was troubled, and his sleep left him. Then the king gave orders to call in the magicians, the conjurers, the sorcerers, and the philosophers, Chaldeans, to tell the king his dreams. So they came in and stood before the king. The king said to them, I had a dream, and my spirit is anxious to understand the dream. Reviewing Daniel's Faithfulness to God Without question, Daniel was faithful to God in mind, will, and faith. While Nebuchadnezzar had his dream, God prepares Daniel to reveal the prophecies connected to Judah's captivity to the time when Jesus will set up his kingdom on earth. More importantly, that Jesus Christ will reign over the house of David from his throne in Jerusalem, the very land Nebuchadnezzar recently destroyed. Another key factor, God gave this revelation to Daniel at the beginning of the Gentile Age, which includes the depraved deeds of Nebuchadnezzar. Let's remember among the Israelites, captives, kidnapped, and taken into Babylon were Daniel and his friends, true and honorable Hebrew young men. No guilt was found in these four regarding committing sins against God. However, That was not the case for the remaining children of Israel, which is why God allowed these 70 years of captivity for Israel. Try to picture this. Out of all the Jews, only four were without guilt. Now these four sit at King Nebuchadnezzar's table, not just to eat. But remember, those sitting at the king's table are special counsel to the king, with Daniel as the wisest among them. It is not difficult to imagine that Daniel and his friends were broken-hearted over the destruction of the land of Judah, Israel. All four of these young men were well-trained in understanding God's promise to Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and David and God's personal assigned prophets. God made it clear Israel is God's covenant nation. Israel would be the leading nation of the world, and their Messiah would come at his appointed time to set up the eternal kingdom of Israel. As for Daniel, knowing this empowered his faith in God meant what he said. Daniel's faith rested in the assurance that God always gets What he predestines for Israel. Now, reviewing the 600 year elapse, as we've stated, Nebuchadnezzar's captivity of the Jews lasted 70 years. At the end of this period, God had prepared Nehemiah to buy the Jews back from Babylon, which he did. The noted centuries that elapsed between the scattering of the people of Israel to the nations, including their regathering into their own land at the coming of their Messiah, Jesus' birth, was the burden and message of Daniel's prophecies. God gave the revelation to him in its perfect time, not one hour early or later, then the appointed time on God's prophetic timeline. When did this revelation begin? At the very onset of the 70 years of the Jews' captivity under the iron hand of Nebuchadnezzar. The mission given to both Daniel and Nehemiah was a commitment by God to establish the primary government on the earth and it was given to his chosen people, Israel. This commitment came with a condition that God would only lead or administrate each of them through the righteous and godly pure bloodline priests, prophets, and kings who feared him and lived out his laws. There are only two in God's design of established races, the pure bloodline Hebrew people, and the Gentiles. This adds significance to Daniel's prophecy. Noah promised a blessing to one son, Shem. Japheth was given the grace to be grafted into his brother's blessing, who later became Gentiles who accepted Jesus as their indwelling Savior. This acceptance today is under the banner of authentic Christians being grafted into the pure bloodline of Christ. Keep in mind, though, that the lion's share of Gentiles was Ham's descendants, which is the lineage of Babylon and Nebuchadnezzar. It is in this that our Daniel story is prophetic and relative to God the Father. Now let's take a look at the destructive Gentiles. The word Gentile means heathen, national ethnic, and mere man. Through the centuries, heathen referenced a man who denied the Hebrew God as God. In this stinky thinking, man formed gods to replace the Hebrew God, a modality the Babylonians became known for. Throughout Biblical history, as droves of people have asked through the ages, why did God choose a heathen king to reveal the leading prophecy in the Word of God? Simply put, to reveal the battle of the brothers, Shem and Ham. Secondly, the Word talks about the divine rights of kings, meaning God released kings to rule the fallen earth while using their depraved ruling to advance the spoken prophecies. As expected, God never forgets that the earth is cursed, for he alone cursed it. Finally, God turned the cursed earth over to Satan temporarily, minimally until Jesus' second coming. Thus, anyone who is not grafted into the pure bloodline of the Jews is a part of this satanic kingdom, which certainly included Nebuchadnezzar. To help us understand the full answer to this question, let's review what the Lord gave Jeremiah. This is that of chapter 27, verses 4 through 8, and it's rather profound command them to go to their masters, saying, Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Thus you shall say to your masters, I have made the earth, the men and the beast which are on the face of the earth, by my great power and by my outstretched arm, and I will give it to the one who is pleasing in my sight. Now I have given all these lands into the hand of Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon. My servant and I have given him also the wild animals of the field to serve him. All of the nations shall serve him and his son and his grandson until the time of his own land comes. Then many nations and great kings will make him their servant. It will be that the nation or the kingdom which will not serve him, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, and which will not put his neck under the yoke of the king of Babylon. I will punish that nation with the sword, with famine, and with pestilence, declares the Lord, until I have destroyed it by his hand. Folks, this is nothing short of a description of the final Antichrist that Jesus himself will battle. Was Nebuchadnezzar a precursor of Satan? Count on it. The only difference is Nebuchadnezzar was redeemable, and Satan is not. Looking at the forgotten dream, it is important to keep God's timeline intact. Early in the reign of Nebuchadnezzar, God caused a slumber to fall upon him. As he fell into a dreamlike state, ultimately falling asleep, he began to visualize in a dream. He saw a God-sized image, which he described as whose brightness was excellent. The image he saw, he later said, was terrible probably meaning attempting to describe the size of this image. This bright light was a supernatural light cast from heaven and reflected upon the metals of this statue image. As Nebuchadnezzar was looking upon the image, he was in awe and amazement. Then he saw another supernatural image, a stone, cut out of the mountain without human hands. The stone destroyed the feet of this metal image. The massive statue collapsed and fell to the ground into powder, and the wind blew it away. While Nebuchadnezzar gazed in wonder, the stone began to grow larger and larger until it covered the valley this image stood Before it collapsed. I've had many prophetic dreams and a few visions. There's a massive difference between the two. Dreams occur while you are sleeping and visions are seen while you are awake. God has been known through the ages of using both. While we do not know why God uses both methods, we can state the most logical. Dreams can be blown off as, oh well, that was just a dream. Whereas a vision alarms the mind and tends to cement the message God had intended. However, when God reveals his mysteries in a dream, we awaken with a burdened heart begging for an interpretation. This was the case of Nebuchadnezzar. As the king woke up from his dream, he immediately called upon his magicians, astrologers, sorcerers, and philosophers for an interpretation. The king said to them, I had a dream, and my spirit is anxious to understand the dream. Since it was their job to unravel the mysteries of their king, who failed to interpret correctly, Our story begs to introduce the need for Daniel. In conclusion, at this point in our story, the king was in serious trouble. The most disturbing trouble he had ever faced. Now keep in mind here that Nebuchadnezzar was a king who recently conquered Egypt, as well as many other nations. His reputation was he feared no man or their armies. And now, a dream paralyzes him in fear to the core. It was this dream that God shifted his focus from man to the supernatural, and there was nothing Nebuchadnezzar could do to stop it. Coming up next in number six we're going to talk about the failure of the wise men. In this episode, we will discover the difference between spiritualists who were possessed by demons sold to Satan and who could communicate with evil spirits from the other side versus that of the divine wisdom of God. And of course, that is manifested through Daniel we will detail how Nebuchadnezzar revealed his spiritualists as fakes and what he decides to do with each of them. We do hope that you continue with us in our series on Daniel, A Tale of the Four Kings. Until next time.